Last week, we released our 25th episode of Hear the Future. The time has now come for us to wrap up season one of the show. We started this podcast for fun, to enable us to continue having the interesting conversations we had throughout our university years. Since then, it's become so much more than just a hobby. David and I are grateful to each and every guest, listener and supporter who has joined us on this journey and hope you enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed producing it. Today, we'd like to share some personal highlights of our own, as well as an extended closing episode featuring some of the guests we've had on this show. We had a lot of fun making this season. At a slightly more personal level, having the opportunity to engage in weekly conversation with inspiring people from all around the globe was one of the highlights, I think. Along the journey, we were able to explore a really broad range of topics, whether it be AI applied to medicinal chemistry, human consciousness, or even digital ethics, here the future really ended up morphing into an incredible learning experience for the both of us. I certainly hope to stay in touch with all of the incredible guests who joined us along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I also like how we've evolved from just interviewing CEOs at the start to interviewing a broader range of thinkers and thought leaders in general towards the end. As you may know, at the end of every episode, we ask each of our guests our rather infamous signature question. For season one's bonus episode, we made a compilation of our 10 favorite responses. As a reminder, the signature question that we ask is, if you could change any one thing in the world over the next 10 years, what would it be and why? So without further ado, let's get straight to it. Number one, machine learning powered medicinal chemistry with Aaron Morris. Wow, guys. Okay, you really dropped in on me there. Without becoming overly philosophical, I, I, I do have a slight concern that we, we have just gone through the most rapid technological advancement uh, in, in, by some metrics that humankind has ever seen. The way that technology has involved itself in every part of our lives so rapidly across the world is, is, is absolutely stunning. I do worry, though, that we are beginning to see some of the downsides and some of the problems that it has caused. And one thing that I, I continue to observe in, uh, I can only really speak for kind of, you know, Western societies, at least the UK and US I've spent time in. Um, I feel like we have, bec- we are becoming increasingly individualistic uh, as a society. And, and it becomes like, Many people would say that religion used to be God for the majority of the last 2,000 years, and we, it feels like we're coming to a point where self is God, and, and, and everything is about making me happier. And my hope for the next 10 years is that we don't lose the sense of community and family and the, the importance of looking out for each other and one another in the world where it's very easy to just look after self, and where actually technology and advertisement can often lead you to try and optimize around serving self and i think i've been quite encouraged sometimes encouraged sometimes discouraged by what i've seen during covid of people having that realization of the importance and the benefit of looking out for another the importance of seeking the well-being of other people not just yourself and so my hope is that we can continue to benefit from the incredible advancements in technology while ensuring that we're using that to support the people who need it most and we don't leave people behind 
in this rapid advancement that we're kind of seeing. So that 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 would be my hope. I hope that's not too meta and uh, uh, philosophical out there. Number two, cyber education with Ashu Savani and Ben Spring. Um, I think I, I personally want to see people, more people get access to technology. Um, we're, I guess, yeah, or, or we're quite lucky in the sense that, you know, we're, we're easily able to learn about one, we have like access to like the internet, we're easily able to, you know, access like technologies, but, but in loads of places around the world, people don't, people don't really have any access to this, or they don't even know, you know, that stuff out there exists. So I really want to see more, see technology concepts around technology being made more easily accessible around the world, um, in terms of the more learning how to build things and learning about all different things about technology, whether it be AI or security. Wow, how, how do I talk that? <laughs> that was a really good answer. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting, actually. I didn't even think of that. I, I think there's so much going on, um, you know, to make technology sort of available um, to everyone is, is, really, is really great. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, just copy his answer. I, th- I think that's perfect. That's what I'd like to see, yeah. <laughs> Number five, venture capital at TPY with Dan Pinchasi. Wow, that's a tough one. Okay. Um, so non-related to work, I think um, if I take this question into like, what's my dream in the next 10 years is I hope that one day we'll be able to, you know, today, most of the wars, crimes, hate is because mostly religion. And I hope we can keep religion as a mean of lifestyle, culture, tradition, uh, but not as a mean of division, torture, discrimination. So I hope, you know, if I could impact something in the next 10 years across the entire world, like you said in your question, I hope that it's that the ability to live with religion as a mean of lifestyle and not as a mean of war and crime. Number eight, empowering the modern workforce with Gabriella Hersham. Well, I think, you know, my mind does naturally come back to the topic of diversity. And I think one thing that I'm really trying to do, and there are, I have two young boys at home. My eldest is four and a half and my young, my baby is a year. And, you know, even just today when I was leaving work, my mom said to me, don't you, don't you like miss them so much? How do you do it every day? And I said, honestly, no, I don't, because I know in the back of my mind that I am doing them the best service that I can be doing by showing them what it, what it means to be a woman out there working and, and, you know, giving away as I am in my own small way to, you know, more equality. Um, But I think I would hope that, you know, for their sake and for the sake of, you know, their generation and the generations to come, that this isn't a conversation that we need to continue having in 10 years time, that, you know, equality and inclusivity and diversity is just there and that everybody is represented in equal measure. Number 14, life insurance that pays you with Sammy Rubin. Wow. Wow. That's a huge one. Huh. A lot of things come to me, and 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 I and I think that ultimately, I think if there's one thing I could change is for people to be kinder to one another. I think we're living in a world right now where there's a huge amount of difference. You know, we're seeing last week, unfortunately, the what, the, the unfolding events in America and what and what's happening there, and we're seeing my, my my biggest wish is that people of different opinions can respect one another not just respect, but also just be kind to one another. As a world, we need to realize that there's a, sh- a shared planet for the sake of the environment, for the sake of our well-being. We're living on a shared planet where we're all together. And as a universe, we need to learn to be just kinder to one another. That is my wish for the future. Number 16, 
tackling disease with smart protein drugs with Doug Chapnick. Yeah. So, so I think, let me, so the, the, the one thing I would change is the scientific method. Honestly, um, I would change what we are taught uh, as kindergartners, um, how science, how to approach or how to tackle a scientific problem. I would change that. And I would say that right now, the way that's structured is people come into problems saying, here's my hypothesis, let's collect data and test the hypothesis and then either accept or reject the hypothesis. Now, what I have a real problem with over the whole course of, of my career, I mean, I see it across a lot of people's careers, is how do you come up with that hypothesis in the first place? And and I would say that, that uh, in order to have a hypothesis that's likely to be true, you basically need so much data that that should be the line before come up with a hypothesis. So you, you should have to, to essentially collect data, take advantage of, of probability. And so we're, 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 we're essentially casting huge nets of proteins um, as, our, as our strategy to find new protein drugs. Um, and so we're taking advantage of a random chance. And so I think somewhere in that scientific method, we have to add in uh, the power of doing random chance um, inclusion in the data collection that, that forms the hypothesis. So that's what I would change. I would honestly change uh, the, re I would try to uh, tackle why we come up with hypotheses that are not correct so often in the life sciences and, and changing where we get those hypotheses from. Number 17, The Human of Tomorrow with Zoltan Istvan. Well, for me, <laughs> and I think you do know my answer, I, I'm hoping that there will come out maybe some kind of wonder drug that will stop aging. And the reason is, is that aging is the largest component of people dying in the world. In fact, if people weren't aging, then coronavirus wouldn't even be uh, barely a blip on the screen because it's really mostly older people that are dying. So it's consistently aging and our cells breaking down and us getting older that is causing the great tragedies of human history of us losing loved ones. My father died a few years back. You know, I mean, these are, these are the things that if we could change, the world would be dramatically more utopian, dramatically more friendly. And then we could kind of do all the fun stuff, off-planet stuff, discovering the solar system, space travel, all that other stuff. But right now, most of us are just working so we can feed ourselves so we don't die. And eventually we do die from aging. So um, my hope, and I don't think it'll come in 10 years, but probably would in 20 or 30 years, is that some of the genetic editing people as you know, out there are working on vaccines or different types of drugs that do stop aging. And therefore, we would all get stuck in kind of a perfect younger body. And from that point on, we can decide how we want humanity to progress. Do we actually become uh, AI? Do we become some other species full of silicone, whatever? But right now, the biggest thing for, you know, threatening us is that we're all terminal. We're all terminal right now, and we're going to die. And 150,000 people around the world die as it is, and most of them are from aging. And uh, all done on a daily basis. And that's a tragedy. So that, that's what I would change in the next 10 years if I could. Number 20, how to navigate the working world with Alexandra Levitt. Oh, I would change tribalism. <laughs> I, think, I think it's extremely toxic that you have, and, and we see this happening, I mean, in the UK with Brexit, we see it happening in the US, obviously, with 
<laughs> all the stuff going on um, with, you know, Trumpism and um, the two polarized parties. And I, I think we, we need to find a way to come together. But this is one of those areas where when we pr- we try to forecast out the baseline future versus alternative futures, it's going to be very hard for us to get from point A to the point B that we desire because of how deep the divisions are at this point. And if there was one thing I could change, it would be to just have everybody more on the same page. And that would involve, I think, more of like a magic wand approach than anything we've currently got available to us. But I do think that some positive strides have been made in recent months, and hopefully they will continue. Number 23, interpreting the universe through data with Kirk Bourne. Well, I would have to say that since I I am a lifelong educator and always been interested in improving education, particularly in, in groups of people who maybe don't think they can learn. I mean, this is why I focused on teaching hard subjects to students without ever putting the label on it, putting any pressure on them. We just did it for fun and they all of a sudden they learn stuff. I would say, you know, we could if we could transform our education system uh, that really addresses each person individually, sort of like the pilot training thing I meant, I was talking about, you know, that maybe a person could advance very quickly through their education system uh, and uh, on things that are comfortable for them and then focus their, their time and energy on the things that are less clear and, e- and easy to understand for them. And so if we do that, we, can, we actually can actually build a better education pipeline, I think. When I think back, uh, part of my personal story, a per- personal motivation on this, I, my younger brother died of a drug, or, drug overdose several years ago. And he dropped out of high school early. Uh, I went on for a PhD in, in, in graduate school at Caltech, but he, he, finished high, he didn't even finish high school. He, he dropped out early because he just felt like he couldn't study. He couldn't learn. He couldn't do what they, they were expecting him to do. And he ended up in just a, a, lot, a lot of unfortunate circumstances in his life that led to a drug addiction and ultimately a, a drug overdose. And uh, I think back to that, if he had only had just had some f- greater faith in himself, like that young man who said, I hate science, and all of a sudden he loves science. You can, you can discover that inner thing in you, which you're good at. And I, I don't think he ever had that. And so I'd like to get, instead, instead of people just going through a formal, yeah, we need to have formal education, but sort of a formal process that doesn't allow you to deviate and explore the thing that you're really good at. I think if we can do that, and again, the data that we collect on performance, student performance, teacher performance, uh, even content performance, <laughs> Uh, we can improve that whole pipeline acro- uh, across the world for everyone. Number 25, building the blueprint of human knowledge with Jude Gomela. Hmm, that's a hard question. Wow, to rank all world problems in a single 30 seconds is 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 very hard. I think any answer I pick is not going to be the correct answer and not going to be necessarily the optimal answer in any frame of like, you know, thinking here because uh, I just I just don't think I'm going to get the right answer. But I'm going to try and pick something because I, I, I think it's good to give you something. Um, I do think what Neuralink are doing is very exciting, hooking into the brain. Um, I think that is a if we can solve um, brain-to-brain communication, that would be absolutely huge. Um, and that 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 seems just about maybe coming up to be you know a, a candidate. That that would just be that would just solve so many problems. I mean, you know, just imagine if you could just read the mental state of someone and you could empathize better with that or just like use computers in a much faster way. Like there's so your finger, our fingers are so slow. Voice is slow. Um, we, 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 you know, we, to do it, to do that would be really interesting, I think. Wow. 
What an amazing set of answers to wrap up this bonus episode. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in season two.